Freebird, the Ashley Freeman story, is a Thirsty Goat original podcast. This is episode three of a multi-part story. We encourage you to go back and start listening at episode one, Childhood, before listening to this episode. In this episode, Ashley begins her many legal troubles and becomes a frequent flyer through the legal system. Ashley discusses life inside the county jail and what it was like when she was sentenced to maximum security at Rockville Women's Prison. Ashley spends time discussing how her void led her down a road of trying to find fulfillment anywhere she could. Addiction can capture anyone without warning, and the depression and regret that comes along with the addiction only powers the addiction more. If you or someone you love is struggling with addiction, please reach out to 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-4357 for more information on facilities and possible services in your area. Addiction is real, but doesn't have to be the period to your life. This story of addiction and overcoming the shackles and chains it places on you is my friend Ashley's. We hope you enjoy. Previously on Freebird, Ashley discussed the decision that led to alienating her from her friends she had grown up with and found her finding friendship in a new, older group of individuals. This led to Ashley trying meth for the first time and beginning the cycle of addiction. Ashley's mom forces her to move to Florida with her uncle in hopes that she will clean her life up. As we come back to the story, Ashley is headed back to Mitchell, Indiana, after creating a mess of things in Florida. Freebird, Episode 3, Frequent Flyer. I came back to Indiana, um, got in another relationship immediately. Um, I tried to join the army. I decided that's what I was going to do. The guy that I was dating was going to do it too. So you know how, you know, you always attract what you are at every moment and, that was kind of my mirror image at the time. We were both just a little bit crazy. Um, we were just young, you know. We were doing some really stupid things. Um, so I wrote a prescription. Uh, he got a prescription for something. And we changed it, sent it out the window to the pharmacist that way and wasn't he got arrested um he went to jail i went to bond him out of jail and pawned a radio that i found in his room his family reported it stolen and i went to jail so here we are trying to join the army and we have pending legal problems so i tried they told him he had to wait till his were resolved. Um, I went and I took the ASVAB. I did all that. And they told me the same thing. 
So in the process of waiting to join the Army, um, I got pregnant with my son. And we both, we got married. Um, we thought, okay, this is, this is going to fix us. You know, this is going to fix us. It didn't. Um, that was not the last of the trouble that we got into. You know, it just kept snowballing. Um, I was still getting prescribed, you know, medication. I was getting it um, called in. I would codeine cough syrup, anything. I mean, pharmacies, emergency rooms, anything I could do. Um, and... I just didn't, I still didn't realize it was me, you know. Um, yeah, I still didn't realize that I was just the problem. And you're still at that point of, I've got this huge void. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was really the first time you had seen real legal trouble. Yeah. I mean, pretty sure you were well known for some, some speeding tickets when we were way younger, um, yeah. here or there. Yeah. Uh, but that was really the first time that it was real legal trouble. What was your reaction to that? So my reaction at the time was to blame someone else. You know, it wasn't, um, I mean, I admitted to what I did, you know, and, um, but I still, it still wasn't, it didn't register, you know, um, let me think, I'm thinking that shortly after I got out, Um, I was only in jail for a few days. My husband bonded me out. Um, we went to, I ended up going to Greene County Rehab somehow as a result of this. Um, that was like the first long-term, you know, thing that I tried to do. And I remember when I got in there, I had, my mom brought me all these clothes. She brought me shoes. She brought me all the stuff that I needed. And I get my stuff and I'm like, this is, my jeans were the wrong size. My shoes were the wrong size. Like, I literally had no idea who I was. You know, I had been buying all this stuff, but it didn't look like it was mine, you know. Um, so I was around people, groups of people, you know, the girls had a girls' dorm in the back. I was around other people like me for the first time in a long time as a group. And I didn't know how to act. I felt so awkward and so uncomfortable in my own skin. Um, I was not that outgoing person at that point. You know, um, 
we'd have homework to do. We had assignments to do. You know, I didn't, um, I wasn't like volunteering to talk. You know, I wasn't the one trying to help. Uh, and it was the setting, like in our classes, were guys and girls. And I just, I did not know who I was. I didn't know who I was sober. I didn't know who I was outside of a relationship. Um, and I had no idea where I was going in my life. Do you believe that relationships were as much of an addiction for you as the drugs? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I didn't know who I was by myself. You know, I didn't know who I was, period. But, you know, I spent all of high school in a relationship, you know. And I just didn't know how to, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. The things that maybe I thought I wanted to do, I didn't believe I could do. Um, and I didn't feel like I fit in anywhere. You know, I don't fit in with these people. I don't fit in with these people. These people are from this place. Like, I was just lost. I was lost for so many years. So after you go to treatment and you still don't realize who you are, do you go through the motions? How how does that part play out? Like you're here to for treatment, but you're still, you're not ready mm-hmm. because you, you don't, you don't know you. What, what, is it just the motions? What are you, what are you, what are your thoughts while you're there? Are you, are you engaged? Like I, I don't know who I am. I'm I'm scared. I'm I'm lost. But I'm going to use I'm going to get better with this or is it just a I'm here? I feel like it was just kind of like I'm here. Um at that point I had my son. Um he was still he was really young. Um he was about a year and a half old when I went into this treatment. Um, and I would, if you had asked me then, I was there to try to get my son back and I was going to get out of the trouble I was in and I was going to do better, you know, but goals, I had no idea. And I don't know, I don't. I don't remember if I ever thought, like, man, I'm never going to get high again. You know, I'm never going to do this again because this is what got me here. Or I don't know where my blame was, you know. Or was it maybe even subconsciously not I'm never going to get high again. I'm going to be able to control it. Definitely. I'll be able to do it. Yeah. But I'm going to do it better. Yeah. I'm not going to do it as much. Yeah. I'm not going to do. The, just I, take my prescription. I can. I can just control this. Yeah. Yeah. I may take an extra, you know, Xanax here or there when I when I feel like I did, but I can. Again, your whole story comes back to self medication. Yeah. yeah. I can. I can medicate myself. I can. I know how to do that, and I think. And I, I will say something too that I think is interesting. That we, I, I think we talked about this off air. Um, you talked about you always were one that wanted to shoot for the moon. Mm-hmm. 
But something you said off air that I think is is interesting that I see a change in you. Just like you said there, I think my thought was I'm gonna I'm gonna get through this. I'm gonna get out, get my son back. I'm gonna get out of the legal trouble. I am. I'm gonna do better. Mm-hmm. Somebody who's never been through what you've been through, that may sound really easy, but that is a huge and lofty goal. Yeah, that's shooting for the moon yeah. in the situation where you were at that time. What I heard you say off air was, now I look at every day as just a series of little tests. That's a huge change. You've gone from shoot for the moon to I'm going to pass the next test. I'm going to pass the next test. And the crazy thing about life is you end up on the moon when you just pass the tests. When When you can focus. And going back to something you said way before, I truly feel like you're focused all for the first time, maybe, maybe since before third grade, when you were told you couldn't focus, like, I think you are truly focused. And I think the focus is on yourself. And I think that's huge. It is. Yeah. So we get out of the treatment. Where are we from there? So I get out of the treatment. Um, and I hook up with people that I was in there with. I believe I did okay for a little while, you know. Um, but there's something about, you know, going back to the place that you got sick in. And, you know, for a while, you know, I mean, it was Mitchell. We, My mom still had the same house. You know, we still had, um, we were still in the same place. You know, that's the place that I ran from in a way. That was where I was getting high. That's where we were all fighting. You know, all these things were happening there. And you can get better and you can make progress and then you can go back to the same place and you have constant reminders. You know, the couch is the same. The picture on the wall is the same. This happened here. You just feel that old energy. You you go to the JC store and you bump into the guy that you got high with a year ago. Yeah. I mean, and that's... I, it's the toughest thing about a small town. Yeah. It, you're you cannot escape it yeah. in that small town. No. And even if that, obviously, the couch or the picture is not doing anything to you. Even if the guy that you got high with a year ago doesn't say anything, doesn't proposition, doesn't say, "Hey, you want to hang out? You want to?" Mm-hmm. It's still the constant reminder. Yeah. Do those reminders start to make you think? You know, kind of the self fulfilling prophecy in a way of this is who I am. Like, oh yeah, I'm 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 not good enough to be sober. I'm not good enough to be a good mother. I'm not good enough to be um, successful. I am. This is who I am. This is what I need to be. There are so many times in my life when you know I just wanted my family to accept me the way I was. Um, begged my mom, just accept me. This is who I am. I'm not gonna. I'm not going back. You know, accept that this is all I'm ever gonna be. And she wouldn't do it. You know, my mom would not do it. And um, I think that I compared myself to people so much. You know, from probably my whole life. You know, but especially in my addiction. Um, you know, there's these people that can do these things. You know, they can get high every day all their whole life, and they don't ever get in trouble. 
there's these people that get prescribed these medicines, you know. They're prescribed all these things, and they can just sit at home and be happy. Nobody bothers them. That was not me, you know. Um, and I know that I was always thinking, like, I would just be happy if. Fill in the blank, you know. Um, I didn't know how to just be happy with myself. No, because when you play that, I would just be happy if game. Even if you get it, there's still another if behind it. And you're never content. That void is always there. Yeah, or it's not the way you thought it would be. It's not the way you wanted. It just didn't turn out. And for you, or you don't get it, and there's rejection again. Yes. Yeah. And now there's a resentment. So we're out of treatment. Mm-hmm. Where does our life go there? So I hooked back up with people um, like me, you know. We'd been in treatment together. We were getting high now. Um, going to interrupt you again. I've done this twice to you on this part, but okay. it's comfortable, isn't it? Yeah. And I think that's something that's so hard for people to understand, too. You know, and even myself, and sitting here talking to you, I'm realizing even more, like, part of me wants to shake you and say, why in the hell, when you got out of treatment, did you not call me and say, I need you, I need you to be my friend. I need you with me. I need you. But I also understand that in the time that had passed, we talk about that fork in the road. Even though I, I would not have judged you, I would have come and loved you. I would have come. You would have looked at me as in a way that I was better than you or I, I could never understand you or I could never. And I, and I totally get that. It is much more comfortable to go to someone who is dealing with the same things you are. Because you don't feel, you know, there's a lot of explaining that you have to do. You know, when you're an addict, you refer to people as like, these are the normal people. You know, these are the addicts. And um, the other addicts know what you're going through. You know, they have been there. Um, And when you're in rehab, you're in some kind of treatment. It's so easy to form those bonds. And for me, for a long time, I was so naive, too, because... I believed everybody, you know, when they got up there and I'm sober and I'm this and I'm this, I believed them. And it's so funny to look back. I I remember this realization hit me, you know, a while out of that treatment facility. Like, those people are lying the whole time. You Like, my mom knew it because she was telling me when I was like, this is my friend they're doing. She's like, nope. And I'm like, you're mean. You know what I mean? But she wasn't. She just knew and I didn't, I didn't see it. You know, and it's and it's tough because, in a way, you know, as you started talking about that, you know, they they get me, they understand what I'm going through, they've been through it. They are the best and absolute worst support system you can yeah, have. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know, and I say this to people all the time. I can't understand what you've gone through, and I hate when people say, "Oh, I understand, I understand." Yeah. Bullshit. I can't understand what you've gone through. I can sympathize with what you've gone through, but I have not lived your life. When you're sitting with another addict, they can say, 
not directly, but I understand what you've gone through. So they're the best and the worst. And when you're an addict, that's an addiction as well, having those people. So, okay, so now I won't, I'll try not to divert us again, but you're back. You're back around the same people. We're getting into the same things again. So I get arrested um, with a guy that I was in there with. Um, We got arrested. We had taken a bunch of Xanax, and we were stealing stuff from JCPenney's, I think. And when you're on Xanax, you just think nobody sees you, you know, and nothing makes sense. You know, you could, it makes sense in your head, but then you're not making any sense in public, you know. So we both go to jail. Um, and I think 56 days, about 56 days sounds right. I was in there that long. And then they put me out on probation. So... I failed drug screens on probation, and this time they were done with me. You know, the, well, not done with me. They were trying to teach me. Um, my mom's still working in the court system, and this was, um, I think they were just trying to show me tough love, you know. So I failed a drug screen for all kinds of things, um, and they sent they sent me to DOC. I was 23. Um, and it was about seven months that I had to go do. Let's go back to, to jail first, because I want to create a comparison. For someone who's listening who has never experienced that, what 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 is that experience like being locked up and start with just county jail okay so in county you go in and they take everything from you your phone your keys i mean they take your clothes um you have to get in a cold shower they spray some really nasty stuff in your hair they put you in a cold holding cell with sometimes a blanket and sometimes a bed um, and they just leave you, you know, about 24, depends on if you're on drugs or whatever, but at least 24 hours. And then, um, they put you in the back in a group full of, you know, other women, other men, whoever, um, you go in there and you have to you know, try to call the phone. You have to use, a you know, call collect. Um, sometimes they're nice to you, sometimes they're not. You know, they don't ask you if you get along with people generally before they just throw you in with all these people. Um, there's a television that's the size of a microwave and it's up at the very top corner of the wall. Um, sometimes you can hear it, sometimes you can't. There's going to be people screaming day and night. Um, And if you come in there and you're coming off of drugs, you're withdrawing, um, throwing up, sick, any of that, they don't care. Um, So 
you're literally just thrown in a cold cell with a blanket, and here you go. You get three meals a day. Um, there's a shower in the corner, and you wait. It's a waiting game. Um, so you're just left to, you know, face yourself. I'm a really stubborn person. <laughs> <laughs> and I know if it, I'm a really stubborn person. I am very hard to punish. Um, Out of all the things we've talked about that I laugh about, that's the funniest thing ever. Yeah. Well, it's because I know it so well. It's so true. You know, they can take everything from me and they put me in there. And I want to say for people listening, you know, that this is a terrible, horrible, awful thing. Don't ever do it. Don't ever go. But the truth of it is, is that you made the best, I made of, the best of every situation I was put in. Um, I have never been in fights in county. I, I've never been in any kind of fights, really, as an adult. Uh, me and my mom yelling at each other and, you know, smacking each other was like the worst. People treat me good wherever I go. I have always, you know, walked in there and somebody hands you socks and somebody hands you this. And, you know, those experiences aren't the same for everybody. You know, there's other people that go in there and experience some really bad things. But I've always been treated good. Well, I think it goes back to, again, even in your darkest times, you were social. Yeah. I mean, that was, we talked about relationships and whether that's a, you know, a physical loving relationship or a, you know, just friendship relationship and people having relationships with people. That was, that was part of your addiction. That was, and you were good at it. I mean, I mean, you were good at every part of your addiction. Unfortunately, you were locked up in county for fifty-six days. You get out probation. You fail these drug tests. Now we're going to DOC. Mm-hmm. How big of a difference is it from the county to? We're now in prison. It's night and day. They're two other countries, you know. Um, it so DOC. Um, You know, you go in there and you pull up to Rockville and there's these triple razor wire fences. And you go in there and they put you in this crazy uniform and these Velcro shoes and they take everything you even had in county from you. Um, and they put you with all these people and they march you all the way across this yard. Um, Rockville holds, I believe, about 12, 1300 women. And the dorms, um, they hold about 300. So you go to an intake dorm, and you're with people. um, If you've been raised in a small town and you've been sheltered, this is a complete culture shock for you. Um, And I saw, you know, a lot of... There's a lot of medical emergencies. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of people in there that it just really puts things into perspective for you because here I'm in here for theft, and some of these women are coming in, and they're not going to get out. You know, some of these women are in there for life. Um, even going through intake, you know, you see 
I, I was able to appreciate the fact that I knew when I was going to leave, you know, and I didn't go in there. I got this long, you know, I was smart enough to keep my mouth shut and just treat people, you know, to treat people well. There was other girls in there from my county. Um, so as soon as I went in, even in intake, so as soon as I went in there, you know, here you go, here's this, here's that. Um, so you get onto the dorms in Rockville, and there's women who are in there for dealing. There's women who are in there for murder. Um, there's women who've been in there, and they've been abused, and they've shot their abuser, and they're in there just the same you know, for the rest of most of their life. Um, and it just really makes you grateful. It's made me grateful. Um, you know, because I, I felt a lot of compassion for them. And at the same time, I didn't feel like I belonged there. I knew my choices led me there. I did not feel like I belonged there. I didn't feel like I really belonged at Rockville. So they've since fixed their classification systems a little bit. Um, but when you go into... Rockville's a maximum security. Um, and I had been taking Prozac in county. Um, and back then, if you took Prozac within 90 days... And then you went into Rockville. They were going to keep you on a psych hold. So um, they kept you in maximum security with people who had a lot higher charges. That's what they did to me, and it was medication. Your thought was grateful that, you know, I'm, I'm not here now. So how long were you in DOC that time? Seven months. So seven months, and you're released. Mm -hmm. Where does our story go from there? So I was released. I came back to my mom's house, um, Mitchell, and... If you like what you've heard so far from Freebird, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This helps us greatly move up the charts. Also, if you want to support the work we do, please head over to our Patreon account. For $10 a month, you can not only get early access to all the episodes, behind-the-scenes content. You can also support the work that we're doing with Freebird to help support those winning the battle against addiction. Check out our theme song by Boogus, Freebird, available wherever you get your music. Still now you're close to the Lucifer Got a Colt 45 trying to loosen up Got a buzz online trying to boost it up Got a dad and a mom trying to make him proud Got a bag in a bong trying to bake a pound I'ma up my ante, touch my Grammy Go with my family down to Miami No, they can't control my visa My world, I roam like Caesar My song, my girl, my diva Good drink, my good sativa God knows I'm far from lousy Lord knows I'm smoking loudly High box, I'm riding cloudy Eyes drop like Ronda Rousey hey, I'm on, I'm on.
I'ma use the two legs that God gave me Go so long, bitch, I'm Tom Brady I go Kobe, drop about 80 Then I roll out in a drop top, baby 285, I do about 80 Push to the limit when I get in it I don't get high till my third blunt finish When I came deal with the weight and the pain in the world I write my pain and I sing for the world Came from afar and came for the fame But I came for the change I could bring to the world When I came deal with the weight of the world I write my pain, I sing for the world Came from afar and came for the fame But I came for the change I could bring to the world I go And I'ma see Arizona I'm in Georgia Sun is shining in Florida I'm a free bird Smoking on California In Indiana